we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Why do you ask help of another? This is a very serious problem because gurus are multiplying with enormous wealth. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives representing Krishnamurti's different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is Gurus. Upcoming themes are Opinion and Judgment, Stimulation and Aloneness. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers individual and group retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on Gurus has three sections. This first extract is from the first question and answer meeting in Sanan, 1980, titled Doubt What Gurus Are Saying. When a guru says he knows, he doesn't. When a guru or a man or west or east says, I have attained enlightenment, enlightenment is not to be achieved. It isn't as something that you go step by step by step, climb the ladder. That's the first thing to understand, that enlightenment isn't in the hands of time. Huh? You understand? That is, I'm ignorant, but I will have, if I do these things, I will come to enlightenment, whatever that word may mean. Right? 
because what is time? Time is necessary to go from here physically to another place. Psychologically, is time necessary at all? We have accepted it. It's part of our tradition, training. I am this, but I will be that. What you will be that will never take place. Because you haven't understood what is. The understanding of what is, is immediate. You don't have to analyze, go through all the tortures of practice. Of course, it all becomes so childish. So enlightenment, I don't like to use that word myself, because it is loaded with meaning by all these gurus. They don't know what they are talking about. Not that I know, they don't know. That would be silly on my part. But I see what is involved when they are talking about achieving enlightenment. step by step, practicing, so your mind becomes dull, mechanical, stupid. The first thing, sir, whether they are Eastern gurus or Western gurus, is to doubt what they are saying, including the speaker, much more so, because I'm very clear about all these matters. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm the only person, which is equally silly, but mine must be free from all the authority, followers, disciples, patterns, you understand? So, how do you know, how does one know that these gurus are speaking the truth? How do you know what the local priests and the bishops and the archbishops and the popes and all that, how do you know they are speaking the truth? Instead of going off to India, or accepting new gurus, how do you know that they are speaking truth? Huh? Please, sir, this is very important. Either they are all engaged in some kind of guile and blood,
which means money, position, authority, giving you initiations and all the rest of it. And if you question them, say, what do you mean by that? Why, why, why have you put yourself in authority? You follow? Question them. Doubt everything they say. And you will soon find out they throw you out. It once happened to, to the speaker that a very famous guru came to see me. I'm saying this as a en passant. And he said, You are the guru of gurus. You live your right, what you are speaking is truth, you live it. He, he touched my, you know, knelt behind all the rest. And he said, I'm a guru with lots of followers. I began with one and now I have thousands. And more, both in the West and in the East, especially in the West. And I can't let them, I can't withdraw from them. They are part of me, I'm part of them. They have built me and I have built them. You follow? Listen to it carefully. The disciples built the Guru. The Guru builds the disciples, and I can't let them go. And so gradually, authority in spiritual world is established. You understand the danger of it? Where there is authority in the, in, the, in, the, in the field of the mind and heart, and there is no love. There is furious love. There is no sense of that depth of affection, love, care. And so to find out who is speaking the truth, don't seek truth, but question. Because truth isn't something you come by. Truth comes only when you have, when the mind is totally, completely free from all. Because then you have compassion, love, not to your guru, not to your 
family, not your ideal or your saviour or your guru, love, without any motive. And therefore, when it acts, it acts through intelligence. And truth isn't something you buy from another. So they all say, both the Eastern and Western gurus, they all say that you must be a light to yourself. It's a very famous saying in India. Old, ancient, and they repeat it. But light can be, you can't be a light to yourself unless I give it to you. Right? You don't know. You're all so gullible, that's what's wrong with all this. You want something. Young and the old, young people, the world is too cruel for them, too appalling what the old generations have made of the world. They have no place in it. They are lost, so they take to drugs, drinks, all kinds of things they are going on in the world with the young, communes, sexual orgies, chasing off to India to find somebody who will tell them what to do so that they can trust them. And you go there, young, fresh, not knowing, and the gurus give them a feeling that they are being looked after, protected, guided, that's all they want. They can't get it from their parents, from their priests, from their local psychologists and so on. But the local priests, the psychologists, and the psychotherapists are equally confused. So they go off to this dangerous country, which is India, and they are caught in there by the thousands. And they are seeking, they are seeking comfort, somebody to say, I'm looking after you, I'll be responsible for you, do this, do that. And it's a very happy, pleasant state. And all says, you can do what you like, sex, drink, go on. And the older generation also equally in the same position, only they put it much more sophisticated. 
they're both the same, the young and the old. You see this all the time taking place in the world. So nobody can can give guidance, light to another. Only you yourself. The light is cannot be given to you. You have to stand tremendously alone. And that is what is frightening for the old and the young. Because if you belong to anything, follow anybody, you're already entering into corruption. If you understand that very deeply, with tears in your eyes, you understand? Then you, there is no guru, no teacher, no disciple. There is only you, as a human being living in this world. The world, the society which you have created. And if you don't do something. In yourself, the society is not going to help you. On the contrary, society wants you to be what you are. So you understand all this? So don't belong to anything, no institution, no organization. Don't follow anybody, you are not a disciple of anybody. But you are a human being living in this terrible world. And there is you as a human being who is the world, and the world is you. You have to live there, understand it, and go beyond yourself. The second extract is from the first question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1983, titled There is no right guru, only the wrong guru. Is there such a thing as a true guru? Guru. Do you know what it means? The root meaning of that word, I've been told by many Sanskrit scholars, the real meaning means wait. Wait. W-A-I-G-H-T, you know. And also it means one who dispels illusion. Right? 
and also it means one who points. Points. Not the way, not just points. And one who does not impose his illusions on you, his stupidities on you. Please, this is, this is the meaning of that word. And the question asks, is there a true guru? In northern India, they call an educator, teacher of an elementary school guru. They call them Guruji, because he's teaching, he's informing. Now, the word guru has been brought over from that unfortunate country to this country. And they are making millions and millions and millions of money out of it, telling you what to do, giving you mantras for five hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, or two dollars to repeat it. And when you repeat something constantly, day after day, your brain becomes what it is. And there is no right guru, there is only the wrong guru, because nobody can teach you anything except for yourself. They can teach you how, how to read, write mathematics, biology and so on, but nobody can teach you what you are about yourself, and there is freedom from all that tradition, from all the tremendous conditioning of centuries. That implies you are the teacher and the disciple. There is no teacher or a disciple outside you. You understand the implication of this? We depend on others, which is natural. I depend, one depends on the postman, on the doctor, on the computer expert, how to put together a motor. You depend on all that, on the pharmacist, chemist. And also we think it is necessary that we depend inwardly on others. On my wife I depend. Of course, in several ways I have to depend, she has to depend on me, I have to depend on her. But the dependence becomes gradually attachment, and all the agony of attachment begins. So, learning 
about oneself is infinite. You understand? Learning is infinite. Not about books, certain limitations. All knowledge is, is limitation. Obviously, that's obvious, right? There is no complete knowledge about anything. Even the scientists acknowledge They're always adding to more and more and more. So knowledge is always limited, now or in the future. And outward knowledge is necessary. And we, that same wave or the same, that it continues inwardly. Right? That we must know ourselves. Right? The Greeks, before the Greeks, they said, know yourself. And know yourself doesn't mean go to somebody and find out about yourself. means watch what you're doing, what you're thinking, your behaviour, your words, your gestures, the way you talk, the way you eat. Watch. Not correct, not say this right or wrong, just watch. And to watch there must be silence. And in that watching there is learning. And therefore, when you are learning, you become the teacher. So you are both the teacher and the disciple, and nobody else on earth. I do not know if you have not noticed in this world more and more, there are institutions, foundations, associations, for various things, outwardly and inwardly, right? In foundation for right action, for right thinking, foundation. Each holding on to his own little foundation. You might just say, why do you have foundations? I'll tell you, this foundation exists merely to maintain schools, ordinary schools, both in India, where there are six schools, in England, and here at Ohio, and to publish books, and to arrange the talks, and nothing else. No spiritual, I dislike that word, no religious content behind that word. When one understands the meaning of the word guru and mantra, they become very, very serious. Mantra means to dissolve, 
the whole structure of becoming. So, it means there is no evolution for the self, for the psyche. So that's very complex. I won't go into that. And there is nobody that can be free, free oneself from nobody outside except one soul. Inward integrity, great humility to learn. The final extract in this episode is from the first question and answer meeting at Brockwood Park in 1981, titled, What Makes You Want to Follow a Guru? The question is asking, why is it that human beings, from time immemorial, from the most ancient Hindus and the Egyptians and the after the afterwards other civilizations, why through all these periods of time, why has man followed somebody? A political leader, a general, a high priest, a psychologist, a philosopher. Why? What is it in the mind of the human being that says, he knows I don't? Because he knows he will help me to live a different kind of life, help me to get over my pain, my sorrow, my anxiety, and so on, so on. So I be one being confused, the other is not. At least it, I think he is not. Most gurus are, but we attribute to them all kinds of fanciful, romantic nonsense. So there is this first point. I don't know, but you know. At least I think you know. You have the reputation, there are lots of other idiots like me following, and the greater the following, the more I feel it's accurate, because so many people believe in that kind of stuff, and I follow. That's one thing. Also, the leader, political, religious, as the gurus, and so on, they have assumed certain authority, whether it's logical, reasonable, sane, or illusory, they have assumed certain authority. They have received from the Guru, superior Guru, 
the rest of it, apostolic succession, and also the similar thing in Sanskrit in India. This is an old game played by all the priests in the world, the leaders. So that is the question. Question is why human beings follow another. Let's inquire into it. Is it because we are not clear? We are confused. And I am confused. Suppose I am confused and I choose you as my leader. I choose out of my confusion, not out of my clarity. Please see the sanity of it first, the logic of it, and then you can throw it out if you disagree. I am confused. My brain is in a state of contradiction. I am frightened. I have no psychological security. I come to you because you have you have certain authority, certain dress, certain uh, paraphernalia around you, and I come. I'm impressed by the dress, by the people, by the you know whole setup, and. You assure me that surrender yourself to me and I will save you. Right? Give yourself over to me because I know you don't, so I'll help you and I'm only too willing and gullible. Because I want to be, I want comfort. I want some security. I want some hope somewhere on whom I can depend, in whom I have trust, in whom I know, or perhaps I think I know, that he will guide me, help me, and if he is only too willing to help. It begins very gently, there is the inner circle, the outer circle and the outer and outer circles, and gradually that help becomes dependence. And I depend on my guru, on my priest, on my leader, the political leader, of all the various countries. I don't know why we are slaves to the politicians all over the world. I don't know if you have any part into it. We have elected them, or they have assumed power in the totalitarian states, and they put their thumb on you, and for the rest of your life you are stuck. Or in the democratic world, it's every five or seven years, you change, but it is the same. You elect them out of your confusion, 
and there they are. They are confused. They, the game is played. Every seven years or five years this goes on. And it happens the same thing with the gurus. I don't like that guru, but I like the other one. He's more indulgent. He allows me to do what I like. <laughs> you know, many, many gurus have come to see the speaker at many times. The funniest one of them was <laughs> he had been in that particular country for twenty for many years, and he came to see me with all the robes and beads and you know all the rest of it. And he said He saluted me most respectfully because he assumed I was the guru of gurus. <laughs> and he said, Sir, I have been in this country for many years. I have talked all over the different parts of this country. I have a large number of followers, but I have run out of ideas. <laughs> So I've come to you, and so please give me some ideas. <laughs> I'm not, we're not joking, but this was an actual fact. You see, when we have really understood why we follow, why a guru assumes, assumes authority, why he demands so many things, or allows me, allows another follower to throw off his inhibitions, doing what they like, sex, you know, the whole performance, ugliness of all that, I naturally feel that there is somebody whom will help me. So why do I ask help of another? That's the real point. Apart from joking about all this, this is a very serious problem, because they are multiplying these gurus with enormous work. Think of a religious man having enormous wealth and property, millions and millions of dollars, thousands of acres, hundreds and thousands of followers. What is wrong 
to allow such a thing to happen in a world that is already so utterly destructive, so degenerating, to allow the so-called religious people, who are really not religious, to acquire such wealth, such power, and they, because they have enormous amount of money, they bribe, you follow? They slip through all the regulations and rules. So, why do we allow all this? Why do we allow terrorism, for example, which is spreading? And is it because we are slack, indulgent, what does it matter, indifference, or do we really want to find somebody to help you? Honest man, not a guru. They merely repeat over and over again. You've seen all this. Luke says, I'm not attacking anybody personally. I hope, please, I wouldn't do that. But I have, during all these over 60 years, I've watched this. One cult after another. One guru after another. More and more wealth accumulated. Private planes, private. Oh, and they're all religious people. So the world has gone mad. And we are helping these people to go still madder. So we come back to this question. Why do I want help from another? If I am physically sick, I go to a doctor. If I have cancer, I consult specialists. He puts me on a table or kills me or the end of it. (laughs) But psychologically, we are also diseased. Psychologically, inwardly, we are wounded people. And we hope others will cure us. And this has been the story of mankind. From the ancient civilizations, from the Simurians and so on, till now, we are still doing the same. We are psychologically unhealthy, and we are depending on another to cure us. And we have not been cured. That's the first thing to realize. 
You can go from guru to guru to guru, as most, as so many are doing, so thoughtlessly. And we are still unhealthy psychologically at the end of it. So if we realise, first be aware that we are inwardly unhealthy. I am using the, that word in most without any further meaning than that. Wounded people, disappointed people, lonely people, full of pain, anxiety, sorrow. That's all indication of unhealth, lack of health. Now, can anybody cure you of it? You understand? Historically, from the very ancient times, man has always looked to somebody else. And up to now, they are still doing the same. Which all indicates that Nobody outside can cure you. Nobody. Your saviors, the Buddhists with their Buddha, and the Hindus with their and so on. None of them have succeeded and will ever succeed in bringing about psychological sanity. Rationality. So that if I realize that, right, logically saying, if you observe all this, then what am I to do? That's the real question. What am I to do when I have discovered that nobody can help me? Prayers, meditation. Wait a minute, I must be careful here. Meditation is very important in life. But that meditation must come after putting the house in order. Your house inside. Otherwise, it merely becomes an illusion, leads to illusion of fanciful images and all kinds of silly experiences that have no value at all. Meditation has got immense significance if the, when the house is in complete order. But we have turned it the other way round. We meditate, hoping to put the house in order, or meditate, hoping some kind of miracle will take place that will put the house in order. My order, the house being myself, oneself. The other way around. You follow? That's what we. There are the medit. I won't go into it. The, I. The speaker generally talks about meditation at the end of the talks. 
He has done this purposely, because all that he has said previously is to bring about order in the house. A man who is frightened is pursuing pleasure. He can meditate till he is blue in the face, stand on his head cross-legged, do all kinds of things that have been prescribed by the innumerable gurus. He will still be what he is, perhaps little modified, but basically he is still a frightened entity. So we are saying, begin the other way around. Then meditation is a marvellous thing, which we will talk about next Sunday. That is not an enticement. So, if I cannot depend on anybody to heal my wounds, my state of psychological health, I have to look to myself. I cannot depend on anybody. Or we, when I say that, am I frightened? Please inquire with me into this question. When I say to myself, I must stand alone. <coughs> Nobody can help me. Because I have realised, have been through various gurus, studied, prayed, meditated, at the end of it all I am what I have been when I started. So, logically, sanely, I observe that nobody can help me. It is not that I become cynical, it is a fact. And am I willing to stand Alone, I need companionship, I need to talk to somebody, hmm? but they are not going to become my gurus, they will be my friends, but I will talk about it. But I realise deeply I cannot depend. I depend on the postman, the milking, the, and so on. But inwardly, I am, there is no dependence. Because I realise also that attachment, which is to give oneself over to the Guru, that very attachment leads to corruption. Right? I don't know if you have noticed this. Any form of attachment to any person, to any belief, to any ideas, to any country, and so on, must inevitably breed corruption. So I realize all that. So what am I to do? Can I be a light to myself? 
I am not a light to myself now. I am a confused entity, which are talking to that. Personally, I am not. I'm, we're talking about it together. I am confused entity. And you tell me, be a light to yourself. I understand that very well, log- logically, intellectually, but I am not light to myself because I am terribly confused, deeply wounded, unhealthy psychologically. I am unbalanced, neurotic, romantic, sentimental. So I take all that in, I am all that. So what am I to do? To study myself, I must have a book about myself. And you are willing to give me that book. You And I refuse that book. Because you what you write is myself. You are writing out of your confusion, like most say psychiatrists. Sorry, I hope they don't tell you. So I have to have a mirror in which I can see myself. I hope you're following all this. I'm, we are talking together, it's a, we are investigating the question. I have to have a mirror in which I can see exactly what's going on. And no hardware store is going to supply that mirror. No shop, no good. You follow? I have pushed aside all that. So I must have a mirror in which I see myself accurately, without any distortion. What is that mirror? We are inquiring, please, I'm not telling you. We are inquiring. That mirror is the relation, relationship. Relationship with my neighbour or with my wife. That's the only relationship I have. In that relationship, which is the mirror, I see myself as I am, jealous, anxious, frightened, possessive, (coughs) attached, hurt, anxious. The more I am anxious, the more I am attached. My family becomes all important. So in that whole relationship I begin to see myself accurately as I am. My sexual demands, my arrogance, my vanity, the ugliness of what I am.
or assume that I am extraordinarily beautiful. But the mirror shows me I am not. So, what is shown in the mirror is far more important than what I should be. I want that you follow all this. Mirrors doesn't show me what I should be. That's the beauty of that mirror. That mirror shows me exactly what I am. I may turn away from it. I may escape from it, which we generally do. But if I want to, if I say to myself, nobody can help me, then I am looking at that mirror. And that mirror is showing what what is, not what should be. And perhaps I don't like what what is. And the psychologists and others say, express yourself as you are, immediately. And, and again I depend. So I am all the time aware that people are trying to brainwash me according to their own pattern, and I refuse. And I begin then to have a great deal of vitality, naturally. You I hope this is clear, is it? I see what is, not what should be, which is the future. I see exactly the present, the present of what I am in that mirror of relationship. That what I see is me. I am not different from what I have, what is shown there. I don't know if you follow all this carefully. Dear, that which is seen is me. I am not different from that. That that is clear, obviously. But my thought says no. I am different from that. I won't accept that. That the that thought says I am different. So I must control it. I must shape it. So the battle begins. You understand? I hope you're following. The battle begins, the struggle, the conflict, the, all the travail that goes on, when I refuse to acknowledge actually what is shown in the mirror. What is shown in the mirror is me. I am not different from that. That is a tremendous realization. 
Because thought is always saying you are different. You know more. And so on. So there is a division between that which is seen in the mirror and that which thought has accumulated in the past, which is the observer, the witness, the seer. You follow? I hope you are following, right? Am I making this complicated? Thank God. So, one of our difficulties is then the observer says, I am different from that which is observed. Because traditionally, through millennia, have been educated in the separative action. That would what is is different from me. You understand? That is to make it very simple. Look at it. When there is anger, there is only that state. Later on, that reaction. Later on, I say, I have been angry. I shouldn't be angry. Or I rationalize why I'm angry. Which is, I am different from anger. Moment I said I have been angry, I am different from anger. I don't know if you see this. But when you realize that which is shown in the mirror of relationship is what is, and what is you, you are, the division entirely comes to an end. And therefore, conflict comes to an end. Do we follow? We are eliminating altogether conflict because it's conflict that wastes away our energy. The the intellectual, the emotional, the the energy that is needed to remain with what is. Because we are refusing to stay with what is. We are moving away from it all the time, verbally saying, that's anger, that's greed, that's violence. These are all verbal descriptions of what is. The word is not that. I wonder if you follow this. Right? The tent, the word tent is not the actuality. <coughs> so so can, I, can I remain absolutely with what is? Without the division of I should be or I am different from what is. What is is me, the observer, and the observed is me. So there is no division, therefore, total end of conflict. Because I remain with what is, I refuse to move out of that state. 
So I am looking at that state. I am observing it. I am looking, looking, looking. That needs attention. Attention means energy, which I have been wasting by separating myself from that and fighting over it. You understand what? <coughs> Are we wasting our energy now? I'm sure. No, don't. <laughs> so I realize. We realize together now that we are not dependent on anybody. That means no saviors, no symbols, nothing. I'm only dealing. We are dealing with only what is, which is my whole wounded psyche. That wounded psyche cannot be helped by or cured by another. When I realize that most in my depth of my being, then mirror becomes all important. Relationship. Then relationship has an extraordinary vitality. So if you penetrate into all that, then you become entirely a light to yourself. When there is a light to yourself, experiences are not necessary. It's only those who are asleep experiences necessary. But if you depend on experiences to wake you up, you are still asleep. I wonder if you see all this. So we can go on talking like this endlessly. My speaker has been doing it for sixty over sixty years. But words have very little meaning. It's only when we realize the truth of all this has got tremendous vitality. I do not know if you have not noticed. As we grow older, we are losing our capacity to think clearly, if we ever thought clearly, even in childhood. As we grow older, our brain not only is not receiving enough blood, because the arteries are beginning to thicken. <laughs> too much drink, too much everything. Not enough exercise, proper exercise. Not go. Please don't go off into yoga and all kinds of stuff. So our brain is gradually deteriorating. Senility may begin at the age of thirty. When we are constantly repeating, I am a Christian, I am a Hindu, I am Democrat, I am a Socialist, I am this, I believe in God, I am follow that man, you follow? That's all indications of senility. <laughs> Please don't laugh it away. 
which is a fact. When we are caught in a routine, psychologically, think of a man spending, or a woman, for for 50 years, every morning going to the office. Think it out. So, at the end of the question, and after investigating the whole psychological structure of obedience to often to obeying another. If you realize that you can you have put aside all that. Any intelligent man does it. Then only you become a light to yourself, and perhaps in that light various other things can take place.